Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Jenny Swaggart, we do it Monday through Friday, you with on Thursday. And what we do when we gather is continue to connect rural and urban and bring the the reality to people about where, who, and how is producing their food. We connect rural and urban up close and personal every Thursday because Jenny Swaggart has a homework assignment. Get urban people to come and talk to us. Yes. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You look yeah. kind of spunky today. Oh, well, that's good because I ended up <laughs> sick. <laughs> oh. <laughs> whatever, whatever the youngest had, I ended up with it. But um, yeah, I guess we're kind of seeing double. So this is my sister Heather, <laughs> who, believe it or not, is. I thought it was kind of early in the day to be seeing double, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so Heather doesn't have an agriculture background. Nope. Um, I had dived into all of that, and then our parents divorced, and she, well, I had chose also. I wasn't going to have anything to do with corn. <laughs> Our mom was a corn, is a corn geneticist, and um, I wanted to get out of Illinois, and no way was I going to end up in the same area that I went to school. But How come we've been doing this for are. four months, and I had no idea your mom was a, con- a corn geneticist? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> How many other secrets know. are you hiding from us, Jenny? Lots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't need help. <laughs> oh, all. Heather, we'll talk later. Welcome. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Yeah. Just remember, Jenny, when this all goes south, you were the one who brought her to the party, so it's all good. <laughs> well, hopefully, no, no. hopefully she will start talking to me, I don't know, but at least by Christmas. Oh, very funny. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> Answer your text messages. <laughs> Okay, I can see that I'm going to have to be the sister negotiator in this particular <laughs> conversation. She but brings organic food into my house when she comes to visit. What is wrong with you? Is it cheaper? <laughs> is it cheaper? Sometimes it's the only thing that's available right well, then now it's here acceptable. in town. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Jenny, you've already set the stage for something that has to be fairly unique, that there are sisters that don't, from an agricultural standpoint, usually you have brothers and sisters who would have the same type of environment, but you've set the stage that even though your sisters, you have a wonderful in-depth knowledge of agriculture and Heather buys organic food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I also grow tomatoes. Which proves you don't know what's going on in agriculture. Well, and I also grow tomatoes on a balcony. (laughs) Oh, you are in agriculture. Then see, you already misled us. Next to Buddha. Yeah. Yes. Next to Buddha. Yes. So those plans didn't work out great this year. I don't know. We had a lot of late, late bloomers. So, yeah. but that's about all I can do. Well, I'm hoping I can be a late bloomer. So there's still, there's a chance for that. There's always time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Jenny. So where did you want to go with this exactly? So Heather, um, she has an excellent background in coaching, however, um, when she was able to work. Um, like athletics? Last, um, no. Oh gosh, no. That's a lot of movement. What, okay, you said what is coaching. The, what is so, the actual term? Because I always get it wrong. Well, so it, it 
that itself is kind of um, interesting. So my position was I was a coach for leadership. So helping them mm. to change ultimately the business of philosophy that they had been following as the actual structure of the organization would change. Um, change is very difficult. And when you're talking about moving a ship that's got 8,000 moving parts, um, you know, you have to change how you approach situations. And so people like myself, we actually observe to bring self-awareness to individuals because a lot of times, um, when people do harm, it's because they're not self-aware and they're being reactive versus proactive. So we go in and we help change that. So we've been called change management change management coaches, change adoption coaches, leadership coaches, cultural coaches. Um, So it's really about organizations and trying to get people to work better together. So like for just hypothetically, XYZ insurance company would make sure that they maintain the proper healthy culture for the employees Mm -hmm. and you would come in and help steer the ship, so to speak, in that direction. Yeah. And a big focus for me has always been the communication piece. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, using very intentional language is exceptionally important when you are truly trying to bring an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, So telling somebody, hey, you did a good job on that is very different than saying, hey, I really like how you approach that, you know, investigation. So tell me a little bit more about how you chose to do that. That helps employees to feel like they have buy-in. It helps employees to feel like they matter. And so, therefore, that trickles into um, a better financial stability for the organization all the way around in the very simplest way to explain it. (laughs) Yeah. You got me hung up on making the employee feel like they make Mm -hmm. a difference instead of really making them make a difference. Yes, because – If somebody doesn't feel like they matter, um, not even just to the company, but to the leader, Uh um, and a leader is very different than a manager, so that's important to call out. When you're truly a leader, you understand very much so that your employees' successes are a result of their efforts and their um, work. You're just there to help support that and facilitate their ability to be good. If you're employee doesn't do well, you have to own some accountability there because you missed an opportunity to potentially close a knowledge gap, um, provide them some support when maybe they're feeling a little mentally stressed, which hashtag 2020. Um, So that's very, very important. And I am adamant that you have got to make somebody understand how they contribute the value before you can ever have a conversation about productivity. Oh, Jenny, are you still here? <laughs> I'm so proud. I'm just listening. Yeah, proud. I, I think this is a fantastic conversation, no matter where we go with it, just about creating the healthy culture and keep. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest one difference. It, you know, people often talk about, I didn't get paid enough or this or that. The culture wasn't right. People, when they work for, okay, this is the oldest saying in cowboy culture, riding for the brand. Yes. You know, the Cowboys rode for the brand because they knew that they made a difference. If you're working someplace, whether there's four people or 40,000 people, if you don't feel like you make a difference, you're not vested, you're not going to give your best effort. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things um, about a corporate coaching role is helping each individual understand that you don't even have to like each other. You don't. Like sisters. (laughs) 
Well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> but, but just, you know, case in point, <laughs> there probably are sisters that don't like each other, but they no, still feel like Christmas. I love my sister, and I think it's funny because there's a lot more similarities between us than I think a lot of people recognize. It's just the output of those similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think it's very important for every single person to understand that we all have the capability to work together. We have to understand how to be inclusive of everybody. And we have to be able to help people understand why we do the things we do, not just as an organization, but even as a community led project, right? Um, A nonprofit organization. The more we educate people um, when we're in a leadership position, the better things are all the way around. And we have okay. to do that for our uh, first line employees. So you, we did not mention this, but you are in Illinois, correct? Yes. It appears to me, Heather, you have wasted your talents in the corporate world. And you should have been <laughs> in the political world teaching oh, God, politicians no. that w- this really does matter. And that yes. everything that you just said applies to creating a better culture for the country. For the light, for the world. For the world. Yeah. I but I care that, about the country first. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest failures that we have as humans is we don't recognize everybody else around us is the exact same. Doesn't matter. So, I, you know, I think that's important in all facets of life. And ironically uh, enough. I'm not sure everybody's exactly the same because I never once considered taking a, a fire torch to somebody's business in downtown Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. It never occurred to me. So I don't think we're all the same. I could, I can understand that. Um mm-hmm. Let me clarify that I mean in the basic sense of anatomy and similarity, we're all human, right? We all are born with a blank slate. We all need food. We're all born with anatomy. I'll give you that. Yes. And that's Uh, in the very basic ways. So, And we could talk for hours on that, man. I could tell you. Trust me. Okay. Apparently, we talked for an entire segment on that. Yes. I see Diane Sullivan's with us, which is the reason we're having this conversation today. Thanks for that great conversation last week. And Heather, this is where I remind people that we are going to take a break. But first, Certified Piedmontese creates the opportunity for you to be a part of a branded beef program. And that means, quite simply... You add value to a particular beef animal. You then capture that value. If you don't capture the value, you've accomplished nothing. So get more details about how you, too, can be a part of the Certified Piedmontese System from LoneCreekCattleCo.com. That's what we're doing, and i got to be honest, I could not be happier into our third year, which is why I continue to pontificate about that with you here. LoneCreekCattleCo.com, the Certified Piedmontese System. We'll take a break. We'll be back with the sisterly love on a rural route after this. Welcome back to Rural Route, Trent Luce. Jenny Schweiger still here, even though I can just completely left her in the dust. <laughs> and just Heather and I just went off in our own little discussion. Hi, Jenny. Right. Hey, how are you? Ah, fabulous. You should join in. It's We're having a great discussion over here with Heather. Well, Thanks. actually, so, yeah, I definitely want to get to the unemployment um, and her being injured and not being able to work. But what she just said... How is how can you take all of that and better a farm when it's just a couple people, a brothers, you know, maybe a grandpa? Or oh, brother. I know, I know. Pick me, pick me. Okay, answer <laughs> the question. Me or Heather? You. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how can we take what she just explained to us? Uh, control who your kid marries. Arrange marriages. Arrange marriages. <laughs> You're not in Illinois anymore. <laughs> okay, so what? why do I say that? What Families, particularly farm families, they get along fabulously well, okay? I mean, you have those loading livestock issues, but get along <laughs> fabulously well. And then um, either Johnny or Sue, it doesn't matter, goes off to El- Illinois State or Purdue or University of Nebraska, meets the love of their life. They come home and they're part of the farm, but that spouse, male or female, wasn't part of a farm environment, and they don't understand the farm family culture. And most cultures on farm family farms and ranches are destroyed because somebody drug home Somebody that's completely foreign to the culture of the farm family. So I guess now that you say that, I can see how that essentially is true in our situation. Yes, oh, Lord is right. (laughs) Thanks, Diane. Thanks, Diane. (laughs) Uh, nobody wants to talk about what I just said, but it is ultimately the number one cause of family dissension in farm know, I, in farm country. Heather, yes, Heather. I just want to throw in, so in a, a very short amount of time, you know, I had, Jenny and I had, Jenny alluded to this earlier. Um, Jenny was going to move. She was going to leave. She didn't want to be in Illinois, blah, blah, blah. Um, I just kind of decided, hey, we'll see what tomorrow brings every single day over and over and over again. Uh, wound up getting a job. I was able to live not only on the West Coast, but then also on the East Coast and then come back to Illinois, thankfully, in some ways. Um, I wish we had more of a farm upbringing. When I look at my three nephews mm-hmm. and I compare them to children that I have been able to meet all the way across the nation, either through friends, coworkers, things of that nature, I see a difference. And I don't mean that to be insulting to anybody of you know, in right. any, for any walk of life, but there is a clear difference. There's also a clear difference of how they work together and how they treat each other as well. Yeah. They fight like boys. They are boys, but there's a different sense of appreciation of family from what we grew up with. And from what I've been able to see through multiple different States through multiple different people. So I, I think that even though I don't have the same experience that you speak of, I would have to say you might be right. Oh dear. If everybody's going to agree with me, we're in trouble. Yeah. I know. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I think that you share something that has to be respected because our country grew from farming, right? Mm-hmm. Our country grew from a lot of the essential people that we're not paying attention to right now that we should be. Where I was going with all of that is it's national suicide prevention month or August was, um, this month is. And so, and suicide rates of farmers are huge. Um, number one profession in the country, by the way. Yes. Right. And things at risk. aren't going to improve anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So where I was going with that is how can we help better 
I guess, coach our farm families and our friends and help them actually get past the stigma of talking about it. So that's really funny that you say that because that is something I've actually thought about. Um, So without going into too much detail um, for specific reasons, um, as a result of my car accident, one reason that I cannot work, one reason that I've had to deal with unemployment for the first time in my entire life at 38 is because I've been diagnosed with something called complex regional pain syndrome. Um, Long story short, I'm constantly in pain. There's all sorts of things that go along with it. It's also considered the suicide disease. So as I've read about it, I came across that same exact information. Um, It's not the first time I've heard that either. So I have thought about that. And I think it's, it, it's very challenging because how do we address that? Um, not just individuals who live that experience, but how do we transfer the understanding of the importance of what's really going on in that community? Um, and then to your point, how do we take away that stigma to make it okay for people to talk about it? And I think in general, we as a nation, we need to start talking more about mental health. And we need to start talking more about how it impacts um, those that maybe we don't see on the radar, such as celebrities, um, politicians, things like that. So I spent a lot of time a year and a half ago on this topic um, because a family friend, a teenage, not teenage, uh, Jackie Bauer. Jackie Bauer was uh, from a farm family in Maryland. She was a, just finishing up as a student at Oklahoma State University and took her own life. And it was a complete shock to everybody. So that caused me to spend a lot more time talking about it and bringing a, a psychologist to this program. And I started looking more at diet. And I still think that diet is a huge component of mental health, mm-hmm. which never gets discussed. Yes. And, and I heard... From my listeners, people heard me saying, which was not what I intended to say, but they heard me saying that diet's the only thing that matters. Mental health is a combination of a lot of factors. And I think diet is huge in that. But really what it comes back to is kind of what I think Jenny is, is alluding to in the bigger picture here. And that is the importance of community and family and somebody to turn to to talk to. I can remember the very first time that I learned that 22 veterans a day yes. take their own life. Yes. And I was like, that can't be a factual number. That can't be that high. And we tout that we have programs for those individuals, right? Right. We talk all the time that we have these things in place, mm-hmm. yet that rate doesn't change in a positive manner. No. And farmers are worse. The farmers yes. are higher. Yep. How can that yep. be? And nobody's even talking about that one. Mostly because we're a proudful bunch and we're going to deal with it on our own before I'm going to turn particularly some quack telling me to lay on a couch. Yeah. I mean, whether that's right or not, that's that would be our mindset. Mm-hmm. So community, it, it clearly, at the end of the day, it, I think there are many factors, but it takes people talking about it and community support like you're initiating right here, both of you. Mm-hmm. You have to have... Um somebody speak up eventually. Right. And I, I, and you've done that. And so that's an important thing. So even if you're able to influence one person to at least speak to their spouse, Mm -hmm. they're at least speaking about it. So thank you for that, because I think that's awesome that you're doing that. 
Well, this would be a great time to put in a plug for Team Purebred, which is a junior swine association. Our office basically is in Peoria, so it's central Illinois. It's the Purebred kids who are, are members of a junior swine association, about 4,000 strong. And we've started this year, just kicked off the Jackie Bauer Memorial Mentoring Buddy Program, which is, you know, a mouthful, but it kind of describes what we're doing. And we're bringing people from every walk of life to communicate. And we have our first champion, who's another Illinois young lady, Maddie Caldwell. And we're going to be together next week in Des Moines. We'll be expanding upon this more. But I think Maddie's 22, and she's very openly talking about she's attempted suicide in the last two or twice in the last year. And we just want to hide it. We want to sweep it under the rug, and, and that's not the answer. Good for so, her. Good yeah. For her. It's a tremendous program. And even though I mentioned that it is uh, – all incubated within a junior swine association. It's not limited. Sheep people can join Jenny. We need you as a mentor. That's what I'm saying. Oh. Look, look at her hesitating. Oh, I got to go to a break. Well, you're 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 okay. just you're too uh, you're you're damper. You're too uh, damp on your trigger today. Quicker. She's shocked. Roll route. We will continue with the sisterly love. I think that's just the theme of the program. Sisterly love. Jenny Swigert. Heather will be back with more. I want to remind you about uh, the stand at Paxton County. Make sure you get the opportunity to watch the movie on Netflix. Here's another challenge that we have in farm and ranch country. There are animal rights whack jobs that don't want us to own animals. They will go to any and all lengths possible to make sure we can't own animals. The stand at Paxton County is inspired by a true story, the Dossinger story from Stark County, North Dakota. And you can watch this, Heather, on Netflix, The Stand at Paxton County. I'll just give you a little clue. This hat's in the movie. We'll be back with more Roll Out, the second half, right after this. Welcome back to Roll Route. Trent Luce alongside a pair of Illinois sisters, nonetheless. How lucky am I? Heather, I left Illinois in 1989, 88 for a reason, you know. <laughs> well, you know, I left you and then I came back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see myself acting like a boomerang. Yeah, I could see myself leaving again, for sure. But <laughs> I I like to wander. I like to go to different places. So I will probably never settle down. Yeah. So, Jenny? Um, gosh, this is not where I thought this was going to go today. Um, the, did you write a script? You had a script that no. we were supposed to follow? <laughs> no, I was, I was hoping to share what unemployment looks like for someone who's been injured, not by mm-hmm. their own accord, someone, um, that can't work. Um, so this last weekend we had an opportunity to go to what will likely be probably the premier resort and retreat in the Midwest eventually, um, where my husband has been working and doing the electrical work. And so we took four days just as a family to get away. And um, there were so many noticeable differences because we didn't have to fight over sheep getting out. We didn't have to... um, there was just a lot that was removed. 
Um, and it makes you wonder what is life like without farm? And, um, I know that that is something that's on a lot of people's minds because the economy is so bad. Um, Farm Front, an organization that I'm part of, we are highlighting um, people who have decided to continue farming or they have decided this is it, we're getting out. Um, And it's just such a big decision and it's um, really on my heart this morning, I guess. Um, So that is why I am feeling a little bit damper and I'm, I'm not talking so much because I hear a lot of things that can be applied to farm families and a lot of the challenges that farm families have are different than those non-farm families. So uh, through the years, I've actually given a lot of uh, thought process to what you bring up. And uh, we had some significant financial struggles and not that we don't today, maybe at a new magnitude, but 77, 78 before the big crash, I had a guy that stuck me for about $400,000 in a deal that went bad. And, you know, I have, I'm sixth generation farmer. Jenny, I got to continue that legacy for the girls. If they want to be seventh generation, they need to be able to do that. And, what I come back to is that you don't actually need to, Oh, never mind Heather. She's, she's decided it's time to do yoga in the middle of my little dissertation. No, I sincerely <laughs> apologize. I have No worries. Uh, but anyway, um, you don't actually have to own animals to be a significant part of agriculture and farming. And I, that's a really tough pill for most people who possess the mutant gene to want to be in farming. But the truth of the matter is that we are going to continue to produce the amount of food that's needed, not only to feed 330 million Americans, but that chunk of 9 billion global citizens. And not everybody needs to own the farm to make a difference. It's kind of actually, Heather, I find it kind of interesting that we're circling back to a discussion that you were talking about within the corporate structure And that's the culture of agriculture across the board. By the way, we have the word culture in our entire profession, agriculture. Yeah. But you don't have to own the farm to make a difference in farming. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really hard for a lot of people to handle, which is what I just heard you say, too. But I I want, I mean. Yeah, I do, too. I want it. And. But so many families could benefit from Heather coming in and like talking about, you know, it goes past just, you know, the books and the vaccinations and all of that and actually counsel people on, not people, counsel families on getting along Mm -hmm. and, um, she's never watched us work sheep. Mm-hmm. You need to see that sometime. I don't think so. Um, no, she... Something, something she, are just better left out of the equation. <laughs> um, and watch us shear, and people, I mean, the kids get mad, 
Jeff gets mad. I get mad because I can't control the situation and I can't make it so that everybody's getting along mm -hmm. and actually being productive. And so much time that could be productive is wasted on fighting. See, and I would just... And it drives me nuts. You what? I said I would just steal the sheep while you guys were arguing and run away with it. And we probably <laughs> wouldn't have a clue <laughs> that it happened. You know, um, I, I think, Jenny, what I hear is, you know, it's all about you want to have immense pride in what you do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know, and you want to make sure that the boys have learned what they've been taught, right? Are they doing it in the manner that they're supposed to be doing it? You know, and they're all little mini adults, you know, those boys have always been adults. And it's funny to me, which I'm sorry, it's funny to me, but it's funny for me to watch them interact because they all want to take control because they want to do what's best in their eyes, right? And I think when you bring all of them together, it's really funny because they all think they have the best way to do it. And it's very unique because they're all very unique boys as well. And it drives Okay, me time out. Now I'm beginning to doubt Heather did not grow up on a farm day in and day out because she just nailed it. And that's the issue is that husbands, wives, they all have the best way to do it. Yeah. And they have to impose their way or no way. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's not a, a it's not a farm thing. It's not a call center thing. It's not a, you know, grocery store clerk thing. Um, it's mm -hmm. not a CEO thing. It's a human element. Um, you know, there's there's lots of conditioning that takes place. And the faster we evolve as a culture in general, the faster we have to evolve and cut corners in some places. And sometimes the things that matter the most is where we cut that. When we don't have the ability to say, okay, everybody stop. Why do you think your way is best? Okay. Why do you think your way is best? But we also have to have the ability to listen as well. Um, somewhere along the rat race, we stopped focusing on what's most important and again, that comes back to value. Um, I heard you say it yourself, you know, value. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to see the value in somebody else's opinion in the way that they do it, because guess what? We may not have the best way. And again, that comes down to pride, right? And just you're talking about everybody but me in that case, right? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> You know what? Jenny got it a little too quick, actually. <laughs> you know, it's and it's it's vulnerability. Yeah, um, but but pride is a huge driver. I realize that yeah. you know it's a law of diminishing returns, but pride is what continues to motivate you to make a difference. And, and I will tell you what. Oh, go ahead, Jenny. We have spent seven years building up this flock and the genetics and. I've spent six winters in the snow, in the rain, lambing, and I'm just not ready to, it's not to where I want them, I, it's not to where the offspring are putting out what I want them to yet. I'm not ready to give up. And he does. 
that's that's challenging, right? Because you know, I can only just immediately think in your eyes, it's like, okay, have you not seen how hard we've worked for this? Right. So there could be that sense of an immediate dismissal. Um, everything that you've done, everything you've quote unquote sacrificed. Right. Um, cause we all go to that spot. We all go to the, do you not see how hard I'm working? And it doesn't mean that that's not seen. Um, and I would agree with Stacy as well on her mm-hmm. comment. Um, you know, it, it's again, it's about asking why, right? Why does he want to give up? And then why do you want to continue? And then being able to accept what you hear. Um, a lot of people get very reactive and very angry because they're not willing to accept the honest why behind their questions. And then you just have to go from there. And I think one of the worst things that we do as people, regardless of where we come from, is we so badly hold on to that sense of ego and pride that we tell ourselves a very dangerous story and we start to tell our brain that we're going to have an outcome that 99% of the time is never going to happen. We imagine that fights are going to take place. We imagine there's going to be tears. We imagine there's going to be bankruptcies. You know, so we condition ourselves into this place of familiarity of failure and fear, and we don't progress past that. And we have to find a way to stop that. Actually, Stacy, break. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sorry. wow! Jenny's getting really, really good at anticipating these breaks, and Stacy, I think, nails the whole yeah. scenario because. Uh, you want to inspire, and we know that there's no better way to teach kids work ethic. And, Heather, this is where you started, talking about your nephews and how proud you were of them. <clears throat> and yet those challenges that we're talking about now are a driver in wanting to inspire the kids to follow in our footsteps. So that's where we'll pick it up when we come back. I will talk about genetics because it's in our genetics to continue to farm. But now in the world of food animal agriculture, we take a look at the genetics, the genomics that are present within certain animals. Like my loose beaver moon, just a blatant plug. This boar was tested genomically. He's got all of the desirable traits from a meat quality standpoint, from a growth and efficiency standpoint. Now his pigs are hitting the public airwaves, and uh, that's actually what I'm doing this week, delivering them to Texas. But we knew that was coming because we're looking through Neogen and the iGenity test at what genomics are present to get more details about your genetic testing in your food animals or your pets. I'm not talking about testing Jenny. I'm just talking about testing your food animals. (laughs) We'll be back at Neogen.com for the iGenity test details. We'll be back with the last segment of Roll Route right after this. Welcome back to the Roll Route, Trent Luce, alongside a pair of sisters, Heather and Jenny. Thanks for bringing Heather, Jenny. You did good. Thank you. Thank you. So to kind of continue from where we stopped off, going to this retreat this weekend, and we were testing the retreat out to help the owners make sure that they had everything that they need to have actual real guests. But it was a vacation. I mean, we spent four days fishing, which is huge for all three kids and for Jeff. They all love to fish, as do I. I get a little competitive. Um, 
I mean, we kayaked, we ran around on the golf cart, we went and took pictures of sunsets, and all we had to deal with was the new dog. We brought the new dog with us, and mm -hmm. that's all we had to worry about feeding. And so then I start thinking, okay, maybe he he is right, because the arguments weren't as prevalent as they normally are because we are fighting over who's going to do chores and how to do chores the right way or because i i look at the way things are done from a behavioral standpoint and to reduce stress where the kids just want to get it done and um so I do things differently than what they do. And then I get upset and I feel like I'm being disrespected and it goes into all of that, but we didn't have to deal with any of that. We, we dealt with who had caught the biggest trout. What kind of trout did we catch? Okay. But you're not going to tell us who had the biggest trout. You're going to leave us in suspense. I, I, think I did. Oh, of course you do. It didn't get on shore. So and you didn't catch it. I don't have a picture. She usually gets the biggest. She really does. I usually do. Yep. I mean, I've got the biggest buck. Yes. Out of the family. Okay, but see, this is what Heather was talking about. It, even in a, a, a very enjoyable family outing of fishing, we still have to know who is proud to have caught the biggest one. Yeah. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know. I mean, we caught so many awesome fish and um, Lane, the oldest, he caught a massive bass. You mean the like, adult of the group now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is an adult now. Yeah, just like Trent's daughter is now an adult. She <laughs> she is a few days or a week older than Lane. Um, I don't know. I mean, and normally that's something I would care about. I'd want to know. And make sure it was <laughs> me that caught the largest fish. But I don't care. I mean, we all had so much fun just fishing and see what we could catch. Um, there were so many different trout and there's bass and there's crappie. And I was like back in Canada. We went on a fishing trip back in 2000. And um, I... I crossed over some of the lures and things that I bought while we were up there because I thought, oh, for sure I can use this in Illinois. And we really don't have until now. We've never had a place like that. Um, I don't know. It was just a very different lifestyle that I've not lived. Maybe you wouldn't enjoy that if you didn't have the trials and tribulations at home on the farm oh, as much. That's true. That's true. Because if you do that every day, right? what's your purpose? Yeah, and you'd find new things to argue about. Mm -hmm. Would we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's human nature. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I do. Ooh, you're outnumbered on this one, Jenny. You know, and I, I think... I like her wheels spinning, though, Heather. Look at her wheels spinning. I want to see where these wheels go. I know, I know, because, you know, it's it's hard to even hear my sister say that because, I mean, gosh, from the moment you and Jeff got married, I mean, you said something earlier about like seven or eight years, and in my head, I'm sitting here thinking like, no, you guys have been married for, what, 20? With the sheep, that's when we started. The sheep was when we sold, mm -hmm. when Dan and Connie sold the cows, 
and the milking stopped, that's when we began the sheep flock. Of course, so you could get back into milking, and then you wouldn't have enough time <laughs> to argue. You'd just be busy 24-7. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then we would be on suicide watch. No offense to any dairy friends at making fun of that, but yeah. um, it's, it's a really hard place to be right now. So, uh, I, I do want to make sure, Jenny, though, that we, we kind of finish up on that. I mean, we're, we still have six minutes. I'm not rushing anything. But the premise of where you were going down is something I want to continue to expand, and that is that mental health is not uncommon. It's not necessarily your fault. And there's a community and a loved one that wants to be a part of the solution. And we would just ask that everybody – seek solutions and find some mentoring program that we can all be a part of. Yeah. Programs. Well, I know of one. Anybody can join up at teampurebred.com or get a hold of me. I have a lot of time on my hands. Hey, here's a mentor. (laughs) Oh, that was, that was punny even. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I think that's a big question for probably a lot of people right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. 2020 just kaboom, right? I mean, everything is different now. Everything. Um, And I think one of the bright spots to come out of 2020 is there are a lot more people that are talking like, yeah, we need to have these conversations. We have the exact same question. Where do you go? For your specific situation, where do you go to get help? Because you can't just reach out to the suicide prevention hotline, right? Um, I know people who've had personal experience with that and they were kind of left feeling a little bit worse because they didn't feel like somebody was there to really support them. They felt like they were there as a paid service. So where do we find those and how do we start those groups? And here's a point that I brought up last week. So I do have a psychiatrist and he has been sick, and my appointment was canceled. I've not seen him in three months. The next available appointment is November. Yeah. So, but even that when, seems problematic in itself. Oh, it yeah. is. I mean, that's it's a huge problem here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can't quite understand everything because he's not from an agriculture background. He doesn't find understand. Any Yeah, I I do know of one in Illinois, though, that's a rural mental health psychiatrist. We'll have to talk about that. Yeah. Um, Uh, I I just wanted to – I threw Alan's comment up here when he was talking – when you were talking about he enjoyed your getaway so much. And, by the way, Alan is a Minnesota dairyman. He understands the need for a vacation. I just wanted to add that. Heather, I interrupted you. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, I had a different therapist. I mean, this isn't personal, yeah, exactly. right? This person isn't your friend. This person isn't your family member. You're there for your needs. And that's the most important thing. And if you feel that there's not that level of understanding, you're going to hold back. You're not going to be a hundred percent honest because you're going to be fearful of, no, you don't understand. Right. And so that's hard to do, though. Right. How do you look at somebody's background when you're trying to find a therapist? I am very lucky because my um, psych, well, therapist, psychiatrist, whatever his title is, um, he has committed to doing research on CRPS so he can actually understand why the risk of suicide is so high with what I've got. So I lucked out. So hopefully 
you know, maybe that can change for you. Oh, Diane, I love that comment. Yeah, and I wanted to weigh in on that comment. I don't see an organization like FFA diving into this because, let's face it, there's too many of these national organizations that will be afraid to acknowledge that we should be addressing this. And let's be honest, it's going to be a mental health thing. So anybody in that arena is not going to get paid the value that they should. Mm -hmm. And that decreases the possibility and the potential of impact. It's just how it is. Jenny, we have two minutes, two minute warning. You're Wheels are still turning. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm just. Um... I, I think you sh- don't apologize. No. Because I, I think what you're you're sharing and and coming very open with us about today here is on the minds of everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you're willing to have this discussion is making a huge impact, and yeah. everybody that's chiming in and everybody that can't chime in. Yeah. And I, I think the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable enough to actually have the conversation and throw sort of the agenda to the side, that's exactly the point of changing culture, right? Is sometimes you just got to say, you know what? This is not what we need to talk about right now. This mm-hmm. is what I need to share. Who else feels the same way? Because when somebody can stand up and say, this is how I feel, who else feels the same? It's a domino effect. It may take a little bit of while. It may take a little bit of pushing, but eventually those dominoes fall. Well, at the end of the day, Heather, um, you know what this means. What? You got to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny may not invite you, but I'm inviting you back. We got to have you back because we didn't even come close to, you know, that's what we do. We don't have a specific regiment. We just start a discussion somewhere and it goes where it goes. And obviously today it went in this direction for a reason. And I'm, I think it's obvious. There's lots of things going through my mind right now. Um, you know, and I think that's true for a lot of people. It's ironic with farm front, the organization I've been, um, working with to build one of the efforts that we're addressing is to try to get rid of that stigma about talking about whether it's time to stop or not. I didn't foresee myself being in that position four months later, but here we are. Um, and it's really hard to talk about. It's, it's so hard to talk about. And I can vouch for that because I can read your facial expressions. So I, I feel like I haven't accomplished what we had set out to accomplish. I think that we can if people are willing to work, I can't do a lot of things here recently. For some reason, my back keeps acting up. There's a lot I can do and I always have been able to do, but lately, like picking up a square bale will set my back off. So there's that factor as well. Um, but I guess just in the last, I think we're down probably to the last minute. I feel like a a hypocrite, to be honest. Um, We all are. We try to talk to people. It's it's so hard to talk about. And I'll bet you all three of us at one point in time, probably on a regular basis, say that everything happens for a reason. 
Let's all show up and find out what our reason is from this moment forward. My thanks to Heather, Jenny, I'm Trent Luce. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. All three of us remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route.